What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Christopher Perkins is the president of CoinFund, a diverse investment management firm focused on Web3 and decentralized technologies. In this conversation, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, smart contracts, Web3, decentralization, and much, much more. I really enjoyed this conversation with Christopher, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Exodus, the world's leading desktop, mobile, and hardware crypto wallet. They offer beautiful, user-friendly blockchain products that sync across all of your devices, making it easier to send, receive, and exchange over 150 or more crypto assets in one place. And with world-class customer service available to you 24-7, Exodus always has your back. But the fun doesn't stop with staking and trading. They recently launched a new NFT marketplace where you can buy and sell your favorite NFTs on the Solana network. By partnering with the popular NFT platform Magic Eden, they're offering the full Monty on verified collections, with more added every single day. Ready to check it out for yourself? Run, don't walk, over to exodus.com slash pomp for your free download today. Again, if you want the world's leading desktop, mobile, and hardware crypto wallet, go to exodus.com slash pomp today. This episode is brought to you by MyBookie. It's the moment you've been waiting for. The NFL playoffs are here, and with MyBookie, you can take home your biggest wins of the season thanks to their double deposit bonus. To get you kickstarted with crypto, use my promo code POMP to double your first crypto deposit at MyBookie. MyBookie accepts well-known cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum, so you can bet and withdraw crypto. Now that you've loaded up and ready to go, it's time to place your bets with no regrets and get your wins when it matters most. If you're torn about where to place your first bet, listen up, because I'm going to give you a push in the right direction. Before the playoffs kick off, wager on your pick to take home Super Bowl 56. The field is wide open this year, so head to my bookie and back your team to go all the way this postseason. Don't miss out. Double your first deposit of up to $1,000 by using promo code POMP. Head to my bookie, place your bets, and get ready for the unmatched intensity of playoff football. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right. Next, we have the president of Coin Fund, Chris Perkins, going to join us. Uh, Chris, I think you're there. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing, gentlemen? What's going I'm, on? I'm doing fantastic. I'm super excited to talk to you. First of all, uh, I have from a good source, a.k.a. the Internet, that you were in the uh, U.S. Marines, which uh, you get credit for being in the military. You get negative points for being a Marine <laughs> rather than in the Army. But uh, tell us about your uh, your Marine experience. Yeah, um, we're not going to say what Army stands for, so we'll put that aside. Yeah, I was U.S. Marine for nine years. Uh, I think you served in Taji, right? I did. Yeah, we were uh, out west in Ramadi back in 2004 uh, during some some of the tougher fighting. Uh, I served under Mattis for a little bit, James Mattis. And then I went down to, to the city to do some street fighting. Um, did that for nine months. Uh, it was quite an experience, as I know your experience was uh, pretty formative as well. R- Ramadi in 2004—that's no—that's uh, no bullshit, man. Yeah, it's no joke. Uh, heavy casualties. Uh, we had to fight our way through the streets every single day. Um, but you know, it, it gives you great perspective as, as you come into an industry uh, like this. Yeah, absolutely. When when uh, uh, when you were doing that, any main takeaways you had from either time deployed or uh, or the military training in general uh, that you kind of use now in the business world? 
Yeah, I, I imagine you've experienced the same thing. Have you ever been in a world uh, where there's no rule of law, right? Where the only, the guy with the biggest gun, you know, calls the shots. And so you really have to rely on your ethics. Um, you need to understand how to take and manage risk. Uh, and you got to stay mission focused. Like, you know, we're experiencing this volatility now. Uh, you got to get through the noise and, and power through uh, and get to your objective. And that's what we did every single day. Uh, and, and it gives you great, like, I see it as a source of strength. I know a lot of fellow veterans, you know, they come back and they have, they struggle and we're doing things to take care of them. Uh, but for me, it's a source of strength. Yeah, I, uh, I completely agree. And I always joke with people that are like, oh man, this is stressful, but nobody's shooting at you. You're, you're going to be okay. Um, they, they still shoot at you. It's just in a different way. <laughs> yeah. Tweets, the mean tweets, man. We got to <laughs> care about the mean tweets, right? Um, all right. Let's talk about uh, kind of the crypto market in general. Uh, maybe we could start CoinFund. Uh, you guys have been around for quite a while. Help, uh, help everyone understand kind of what you guys do at CoinFund. I know you're very focused on kind of decentralized technologies, Web3, et cetera. Yeah. How do you guys think about what you're doing? Yeah, thank you. So we're one of the oldest uh, crypto native investment managers, uh, I guess, in the world. Started in 2015 by a mathematician and, com and computer scientist named Jake Brugman. Uh, he was joined uh, by a guy named Alex Felix, our CIO, uh, who has a private equity background. And, and really what we are today is we're a highly diverse uh, by background um, and, and also, you know, straight up diversity. About 46 percent of our, of our team is diverse. But we bring very diverse uh, backgrounds to uh, focus on seed, pre-seed strategies. We have venture strategies and we have liquid strategies. And, uh, you know, we look across the various verticals, uh, decentralization, Web3. Uh, we'll look at everything from gaming to infrastructure, NFTs. We have we have a, a really strong background in NFTs. Uh, DeFi and, and, and DAOs and, and things of that sort. All, all verticals we're super excited about. Got it. And then when you start to think about, um, obviously, the crypto market in general, just like in the military, obviously, one of the uh, the most important things is the talent, right? And the, there's famous quotes in just totally. business building in general. Uh, you know, I think it's Keith Raboy says, uh, the people you hire is the company you build. Uh, if you think of uh, kind of the military, they spend a lot of time breaking you down. Uh, a lot of people don't realize the breaking down process may be a little bit less fun than, uh, than you would imagine. Uh, but then they build you back up and they focus on leadership and, and really kind of refining that talent. Uh, it seems like the crypto market has been a big beneficiary of a lot of capital flows in terms of intellectual capital, just as much as financial capital. Talk about the people you're seeing, both that you guys are backing, folks that are working at CoinFund, and then folks that you know from the legacy tech or finance worlds that are moving into the crypto industry. Yeah, I mean, great point. And it's a great lesson that we learn in the military. Any business, anything you do starts and ends with people. And you need people that are very diverse in background and experience and, and very, very smart. We're seeing an absolute pouring of talent into this space. And that's one of the things that makes me incredibly bullish in, in the long term. I mean, I look, I did 15 years, hard years in, in finance. And one thing that's super interesting right now is just on the phone with some of my, my friends over there is that the, the institutional adoption of crypto is, is slowed a little bit. And when I'm talking about institutional adoption, I'm talking about the largest 130 asset managers in the world. Why is it slowing? Um, it's because they all want to get in. They realize that they have reputational risk, not for entering the market, but for not being in the market. You know, Bitcoin's the best performing asset in eight of the last 10 years. The regulation is, is very well known. It's a commodity. So why can't they get, get in? It's because of their operations, right? And so what's happening? They're forming these task force. And, you know, just like we used to have in the military and they get the ops guy, they get the trading guy, they, or lady, by the way, uh, they, they bring it all together and they institutionalize and it's showing their commitment. The problem is, is that as they bring these task forces together, light bulbs go on and then they lose the talent. It's coming into crypto. 
And so we're, we're seeing, I'm super excited by what I'm seeing. And that slows the adoption, but the commitment remains. You know, my personal belief is that you'll see less than 20% of those large institutions in the space by the end of the year. Um, but that's long-term tailwind, right? Because they're coming and, and there's going to be institutional adoption. Um, as you look at any investment, it always starts with the people. I've, I've heard you say this many times, Anthony. It's all about the people, the founders. Um, and, and it's, it's you know, you want to invest in people that are ethical, thoughtful, knowledgeable, top in their class, um, but also people that are not afraid to, to take risk and make mistakes. And, and that's where we come in with a really a founder's first approach where we try to get behind them, help them think through their challenges, et cetera. So, you know, a couple other themes that we're looking at is, is you're seeing a lot of Web2 uh, folks pouring into the space, right? And if you look at Web3 right now, I would argue one of the biggest gaps is user experience. Uh, and, and we could talk about the users pouring into the space, uh, which, which I'd love to comment on, particularly in NFTs. But, but we're seeing a lot of Web2 people now coming in and they're saying, well, wait a second, I get this. This is going to be big. We're introducing private property into the internet. Uh, I kind of know how to, do, how to create a good user experience with my Web2 background. And so that's a trend that we're starting to see, which is really interesting. Um, the talent coming in from traditional finance is second to none. I mean, my colleagues, some, some of the best and brightest are coming across, and, and, I, and I don't blame them. So when you think about that uh, kind of consumer demand for NFTs, obviously there's tons of talent coming to work on this stuff, but consumers are coming you know, almost at a more rapid pace than the talent to actually build this stuff. How, what, what are the milestones or the data points that you look at to measure or quantify uh, the consumer demand for NFTs and like what that market looks like right now? I mean, we, we track it all the time and, and we, we like to look at, at, you know, we have a, we have a company called Metaversal. Uh, it, it, we just announced around there uh, and it's our it's our vertical that will do everything from curate to, to purchase iconic NFTs. The NFT space is super exciting because of it's 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 so accessible to consumers and in a way it's a gateway into crypto. Um, and, you know, if you look at some of the stats, you go onto the onto the Internet, you look at like a crypto slam or something. Uh, I think Ford Apes are up. 80% this month in the last 30 days, sales of board apes, right? People are pouring in. World of Women up like 1,300%. Um, you look at something like uh, Dapper Labs, which has its NBA top shots, very accessible to, to people. That's up like 60%. And so like, again, it's a very big tailwind because as people come into the space and, and look, macro forces are, are really impacting pretty much every single asset class. You know, you know we believe that, 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 crypto may outperform those other asset classes because of this increased user and consumer adoption, whether it's the consumers coming in to the NFC space, or if you have uh, like institutions, like I said earlier, they're, they're not, they're not, they're, they're really not in yet. Uh, the, the, the biggest, largest traditional asset managers are not in the space that will create incremental demand over the long term for long-term investors. And so it's super exciting. Got it. And then when you start to think about uh, a number of other areas, are there other areas outside of NFTs that you guys are like, wow, there's just explosive growth that rivals that uh, kind of NFT growth? Or is NFTs really the fastest growing sector in your guys' opinion? Um, it, it's hard to, to talk about timing of, of, of sectors and when they're going to blow, blow up. I mean, everything that we do in this space is really less than five years old. And, and people forget that, right? Because crypto moves a mile a minute. Yes, Bitcoin's been around since 2008. Ethereum's been around uh, 2014, 2015. But everything that we really learn looking at is less than five years old. So, you know, I think that there's there's innovation happening across those streams that I mentioned. I'm particularly interested in, in DAOs. I, I think DAOs are going to be huge. Um, when you think about it, they feed this innately tribal instinct that we all have. You know, we want to be part of communities. We want to be um, we want to work with those communities. We want to share ideals. And now we have the ability to fund those ideals. 
Uh, I think uh, I think things like Constitution Dow uh, really changed the game when it came to Dow. So super excited about that space. But look, there's incredible things going on across all those verticals. Um, you know, gaming is is continues to explode. Um, DeFi, super interesting stuff going on. There's innovation happening all the time. Um, you know, whether they're they're figuring out how to do it via AML KYC. Um, you know, the innovation I see across those streams is fantastic. And then infrastructure, right? Like I said earlier, the user experience is something that will continue to be focused on. And, and as that gets sorted, you'll see more and more adoption. So like, we're very excited across the, across the various verticals. Got it. And you guys recently hired uh, Chris Giancarlo as a, a strategic advisor. And for those that don't know, he was the former CFTC chairman, uh, very big deal uh, known as Crypto Dad. He's got a brand new book coming out about crypto. I mean, he, he's all in, right? Uh, talk a little he's bit about in. getting somebody like that on board and how that uh, kind of is a signal in terms of uh, the various uh, kind of regulatory things or legislative uh, uh, you know topics that are being debated right now in Washington, D.C. and why that's important for you all. Yeah, so... Back in my old finance days, I was I took charge of the derivatives industry after Dodd Frank was passed, and we had to go from take the seven hundred trillion dollar derivatives industry from unregulated to unregulated, from unregulated to regulated, and I had to build that in the context of new regulation. And wouldn't you know it, uh, a guy named Gary Gensler was my regulator, uh, and then uh, Christian Carlo uh, was as well. We're very very bullish about the long term policy outcome. Uh, around crypto here in the United States. We're seeing Democrats and Republicans coming together. And I said it, it actually does happen. Um, they, they typically don't agree on too much, but we're seeing it happen more and more as we approach the midterm elections. I don't see a single politician you know, out in the airwaves uh, focusing on an anti-crypto stance. To the contrary, our phones ring and people are really trying to think through, hey, how can this benefit you know, my, 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 my constituents? How can I use this new technology and what we're seeing is a pivoting from going on the defense and saying, oh, wait a second, you know, this is dangerous. It's it's this and that to saying, wait a second, this is opportunity. This is opportunity for our country. Um, if we get it right, it'll create jobs. Um, it'll create innovation. You know, these, by this intermediating, we're going to give power back to the people in many cases by introducing private property. Oh, my gosh. And if you look what China has done, um, you know, they've leveraged the technology for their ideals you know, I see a lot of this decentralization, the democratization, even DAOs. It's it's American as apple pie, and and we're seeing that being embraced by the left and the right. I mean, a great example is look at Mayor, with the great things Mayor Suarez is doing in Miami, and then Eric Adams here in New York City. You know, other sides of the aisle coming together. You know, even competing on how to be more pro the industry. So, you know, what, what needs to happen, and and, and you know, the regulators. Um, they're very, very, you know, they're, they're there to, they're serving their country. Um, they're there to try to implement the laws. What I think we need, and I know Christian Carlos on side, we talk about it regularly, is we need policy, principles-based policy that empowers, um, you know, the industry to be able to operate. And I think that regulatory clarity is something that we're supportive of, provided it's principles-based and thoughtful. Uh, and we're encouraged that it's happening. We're seeing great things, great dialogue happening right now. And I think the midterms will be a game changer there. But Chris is coming on board. Um, there's nobody better, I think, in the regulatory landscape to really advise not only coin funds, uh, but also our portfolio companies on how to really operate, how to think through thoughtful policy. And by taking you know, some of our ideas and knowledge of the technologies and then working with him and, and his policy outlook, you know, we're hopeful to thoughtfully engage various policymakers and, and wh whoever will listen to us on how we can make this thing work for the benefit of all of us. Joe, John, what questions you guys got? 
Hey, Chris, how are you? Um, thanks Good. for coming on. Uh, my, my question would just be around kind of institutions. I know you spent a lot of your time talking to institutions on this stuff, and I'm curious just kind of how those conversations have changed and where your general feeling is on where like we are with them, right? Not only from decentralized networks, but crypto yeah. and, and Web3 and so forth. Yeah, so I remember 2017, I was running a couple businesses at City. phone would ring off the hook, right? And it was like, hey, get me into this market. Get me into this market. And I would say, are you talking for yourself or are you talking for your institution? And they'd say, dude, I'm, I'm talking for myself. My, my, my company would never touch this stuff. Um, by the time I left City, I, I left uh, earlier this summer. The last thing I did was I got Bitcoin and Ethereum futures approved on the CME. It was a massive undertaking. I had to like, we had to take it to the reputational risk committee of the board. And um, like 65 people tried to stop me, uh, but but we got it done. And And now... With the, like I said earlier, the institutions want to come in. Every single asset manager, the most conservative asset manager in, in the world, would call us and say, I've got to figure it out. Can you help me? And, it, and honestly, it, most of it came down to operations because, like, I mean, even when I was in the in city, like, a lot of the technologies, like, from the 90s, it's slow. It's batch-driven. They just don't, they, they need to upgrade their systems to have that 24-7, you know, and, and it's a risk management challenge for them. So I do see them invest, investing in the technologies. You know, the, like I said earlier, that reputational risk dynamic is changing where they're saying, uh-oh, I'm a fiduciary. I missed out on this market. Um, I, need to, I need to figure it out because if its operations hold me back. I do think as re regulation further crystallizes, it will help them. Uh, but in many cases, the regulation is clear. Like we know what's, we know Bitcoin is a commodity. Uh, Ethereum is a commodity. Uh, we have futures on them. Those are derivatives. Those are regulated. So there are ways to participate. And I, I think it really comes down to ops. John. Chris, how do you think about investing in founders? How do you look at the founder? How do you look at the project? Can you talk about your process there? Yeah, so so we have uh, a, a, a really, really capable team of research analysts. Um, these men and women are just in incredibly strong at being able to get into every single nook and cranny uh, of, of any type of founder uh, that we would invest in. Clearly, it starts with people. We look at TAM. We look at applicability. We also, you know, because of our knowledge of the ecosystem, we can step back and, and see how um, whatever particular company we're looking at fits into the greater ecosystem. And, and we can also see how we can add value by cross-pollinating well with that expertise. Um, but, you know, it's also, it's hard to, to break it down into, you know, we have got various different strategies uh, from, from seed pre-seed where there may be more focus on the founders to, um, to, to more on, on the venture side where, you know, there, there is product market fit and, and it's a bit, bit of a different analysis, but we have experts across uh, those, those verticals that will look at uh, all the things that, that, that you would think go into uh, evaluation of a particular opportunity. Chris, last question I have for you is when you start to kind of look out uh, over uh, the next, you know, two to three years, how do you guys think about capital flows? Uh, obviously, we've seen uh, some large organizations like Fidelity, et cetera, all kind of get in the game uh, over the last couple of years. We've seen public companies start to allocate. Is this a thing where it becomes the standard and actually the people who don't participate are the outliers? Uh, or do you think we've got kind of longer than a two, three year time frame for that stuff to happen? And maybe it's more like a decade or two. Yeah, um, I would say true institutional adoption uh, is going to start. It's, it's slow, going a little bit slower than, than you know, some of us anticipated. Um, from a policy perspective, we'll get through midterms uh, and, then, and then probably you know, two to three years, you'll have a, 
a very clear regulatory picture as they're building out their operations. You know, we're going to get to a point, obviously, where um, the technology is, is ubiquitous. Everybody has crypto exposure. Um, and, and frankly, I believe we're going to get to a point where you don't even know what chain is on. You don't really care. Uh, you do your transaction and there's optimization for chains and, and costs and efficiencies. I think widespread adoption for institutions, I probably would say less than, less than five years as the, some of the policy crystallizes. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, a pretty rational view of the world. So I appreciate that. Uh, where can we send people to find you on the Internet or find out more about CoinFund and the work you guys are doing there? Yeah, uh, you can hit me on Twitter, uh, PerkinsCR97. Uh, we're also launching, I don't know, Anthony, would love to invite you, a, uh, an initiative called VITA, Veterans and Digital Assets. Uh, we're trying to bring a community of veterans together to get them into uh, this space. You know, I, I think the space would benefit from more veterans, and uh, I think veterans would benefit from operating in crypto. So, so more to follow on, on VITA as well. I love that idea. I'm in. I don't know what I got to do, but I'm in. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna tra- don't worry. I'm going to track you down. We're going to appreciate the time. So we'll start with some Army jokes. You see, yeah, I was going to say, you see how the Marine, they're always chasing after the Army guys, yeah. right? They, they know. They know. <laughs> That's okay. The Army leads the way. The Marines follow. It's easy to understand. I got it. I haven't heard that one. If you guys heard of aren't, real, aren't real Marines yet? He's like, I haven't heard that one. Awesome, man. <laughs> awesome, Chris. Listen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and we'll definitely have to do it again in the future as you guys kind of keep progressing. Thank you so much. Great to see you guys. All right. Later, buddy. <laughs>